0: the Calvary Chapel of Columbia, where we're unpacking God's truths one verse at a time. And now here's Pastor Tim with today's message. You guys are excited this morning? You should be. We, we should always be excited when we come into the house of the Lord, man. Well, actually, we can be excited from the day, from the moment we wake up to the moment we close our eyes at night, right? We can be excited because we have a God that's in our lives, and He loves us, and He's at work always, and so... I'm just excited to be here this morning, and I hope you are too. Uh, if you have a Bible, turn with me to Psalm 89 this morning. Psalm 89. Again, if you're a guest with us, we want to welcome you. There's a little card in the seat back pocket in front of you. If you would fill that out, take it to the Welcome Center, which is directly across from the sanctuary doors. We have a little welcome packet we'd like to give you. So if you just go there, take the card there. Um, they have a little gift for you that tells a, it, It's a little packet that explains a little bit about Calvary Chapel, what we believe, who we are. And everything. And hey, if you're filled with faith this morning, ask for a stack of 20s. You never know what the Lord will do. You know what I mean? Who knows? So, you know, you have not because you ask not. And so, anyway, but stop by there. We are seriously, sincerely thankful that you're here this morning, and it's, it's an honor. And we also want to welcome our online guests this morning. I know a lot, of, a lot of people are out of town, and so they're watching online. So, hey, guys, glad you're with us. Glad you're tuning in, or maybe in some. Former fashion later, but we're thankful that you're tuning into this message this morning. Well, before we get started in our Bible study, I want to just give you a little bit of a glimpse. And I don't know that I can capture what happened on Thursday uh, when we went to a place of hope. But, dude, it was awesome. It's just flat. I mean, it's flat out awesome. I mean, literally. God just did some amazing things there, man. And part of what was awesome about it is those cards. Part about, you know, the, the fact that you guys took time to write some word of encouragement to these people who are, who are going through difficult times, who are, you know, uh, in this program to to be loosed to, you know, drug and alcoholism, and uh, they also have a homeless shelter there. And the time that you took to, to just fill out a little card of encouragement, man, bless not only the residents of A Place of Hope, but also the staff members. And um, I'll tell you what, I've never seen... In the, I've done this for two years in a row now, and and the attitude is always the same. There is such a humility and such a thankfulness, uh, you know, in these people. Not only the people that are residents there, as I said, but the staff of the of a place of hope. They are just so thankful, and they were so grateful to receive those things. And and so, man, it, it was it was really cool to see that. You know, we we did it. Um, I, I think Dan. Dan had some high expectations for a lot of clapping because man, were they clapping or what? It was awesome, but you know here's, here's the thing is we're, we're, it's not compared we 're worshipers of the Lord, and we and that looks differently in people 's lives, but in particular these people, you know there's a brokenness there, and um, we were just talking about it in prayer this morning about the idea of being broken before the Lord that you know for them there 's a brokenness as a result of choices that that they 've made, and you know their 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 lives are in shambles because of uh, some of the choices that they 've made but but the beauty of brokenness doesn 't have to necessarily come that way, but we should all be that way like we should all just as we come you know before the Lord, there should just be this spiritual this this bankruptness of lord you if i don 't have you i don 't have anything like like this world out here is you know, I can operate in it and I can, you know, be blessed through it and all these things. But none of that stuff can complete me. And so there is a brokenness in that. And I want to just sit at your feet and say, Lord, I want more of you. I want more of you, Lord. And, and that's where they were and, and that's where we should be. Always. Listen, if you think that, that you're good right now and you don't need more of Jesus, you don't understand the gospel, you don't understand the fact that we need to be desperate for Jesus always. And, and you know, the Lord has just been doing this work in my heart uh, recently of just bringing that brokenness in my heart of saying it's not enough to go to church. It's not enough to read my word. It's not enough to pray. All those things are highly important, and they're they're very, very fruitful in our lives, but without the right attitude, they can't produce the Christ likeness in our life. Like without this brokenness of saying, Lord, I'm doing this because I need it. I'm coming because I need it. I want to be transparent with my brothers and sisters because I need it. You know, and and to to release this, this facade of saying I'm okay. Like, you know, the reality is if you have Jesus, you have everything. You don't need anything else. But, but, you know, it's the process of getting to that place. And, and I think when you realize that, that's when real brokenness comes in our hearts. And that's when we just live at the feet of Jesus. You know, as I gave a, I gave a message on, um, on, on chasing Jesus, you know, w- with everything that we have. It, my, my message was called Priority One. And it came from Matthew 6.33. That was the theme of the conference. Seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness, not yours. His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And I use the example of Levi in the book of Luke, chapter 5, verses 27 and 28. You can read it later. But the idea of Jesus coming to Levi, who is Matthew, who becomes Matthew, who becomes the writer of the first gospel. But Jesus steps into his life in the darkest moments. Like he was in his sin and Jesus shows up he's in his tax booth. That was his sin. He's in his sin, and Jesus shows up and extends his hand and says, come and follow me. And you know, that following that he asked him, when he said, come and follow me, Jesus wasn't saying, hey, come say the sinner's prayer, and then go do whatever you want. Like, he was saying, perpetually follow me. Like, like don't ever stop pursuing me. Keep climbing. Keep striving. Paul said, press on towards the prize, which is Christ, the upward call of God. We need to just have that momentum. He called you. He drew you out of your sin. You have momentum. Now roll with it and run with it and keep pursuing him. And and as I gave the message, you know, uh, several people accepted the Lord that night, and and many, many people came to um, sort of a rededication of their lives. And um, it was awesome because... At the end of it, we opened the altar up for prayers. We always do every Sunday. And I said, hey, you know, at Calvary Chapel, we like to open up the altar at the end of our services for people to come down and pray and uh, just for, to receive, you know, whatever the Lord wants. It's, it's a, a step of faith. It's like, a, you know, getting outside of my comfort zone and saying, I'm just going to go forward because I need Jesus more than I did yesterday. And, uh, and w- as we did that, like, we were overwhelmed. With the amount of people that came up, and I was like, "How? Do this going to take hours?" Which is fine. That's awesome. But you know what was super cool is our body. Those who were present there that night got up and came down and started praying for people. Like it was so awesome. I mean, our body, our body responded to this need and, and said, "Listen, I'll step into this, stepping into faith and coming to the altar and praying for these people, man." And and. You know, the the common theme of the prayer that I heard, prayer request was, I don't have anything specific to pray for. I just want prayer. I just want prayer. And that's the state of brokenness where we need to be. Because there is a stigma with an altar call that says, you know, in in our hearts when we come to the altar, like there's got, our life has to be wrecked. Like there has, we have to be in some desperate mode to come to the altar and we're, we're responding because there's big sin in our life and we, we need to come and lay it down at the at the foot of, you know, the altar and all this stuff. No. I mean, that can be the case. Your life can be a train wreck and you need to come to the altar and say, Lord, I got nowhere else to go. But, you know, there could be big sin in your life and, and you know, you need to come and lay that down at the foot of the cross. But But I think more importantly is also that, we don't get into this mode of thinking we don't need to live at the feet of Jesus. You know, that we think like in our, in our Christian bubble that we're good and that we don't need more of that and that we're just simply responding to prayer because I need prayer in my life because I need the Lord to meet me in a unique way than he ever has met me before because I want to be uniquely used by him and I want to be a vessel of honor and I want to be emptied of myself and so I'm coming to the altar and saying, Lord, Lord, I don't have a prayer request other than, Lord, whatever you want to do in my life, the Isaiah, here I am, send me thing. You know, and and I wonder what would happen if we were, if we did that. I'm not saying you're not doing that. Don't be offended if you think, you know, if you're doing that, that's fine. But what I'm saying is, is what if we lived in the state of brokenness at the feet of Jesus always? What, What would be different about your life? How differently would you live your life? You know, and, and that's really the challenge of what the Lord is doing in my life. Is He's saying, you know, Tim, I love what you're doing. It's sort of like the, you know, the, the, se- the seven churches in Revelation. It's like going through the self-evaluation process saying, Lord, I'm sensing you want more. I, and I don't know what that looks like, but I want to I step into that. And the Lord just says, hey, I just need you to be a little bit more broken. And as you're broken, I'll start to reveal more to you but it comes through that brokenness. Anybody with me on this? Like, like the Lord is stirring it up. And he, he's stirring my heart. And I was telling my wife yesterday that, you know, again, this is my own personal journey, and this is not your journey, but I think it's the journey. I think the journey is to live at the feet of Jesus and to allow him to use you. And, and I wonder if maybe he wants more in your life Maybe he wants to do more in your life, but, but the reality is, is you're saying, man, Lord, you know, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable where I am. I'm pretty comfortable, and I like what I'm doing, and I like my little life. And, uh, you know, the, the Lord would pose to you a question this morning, and he would say, what would you risk uh, to follow me? What is it that you would risk to follow me right now? Would you risk your bank account? Would you write? Would you risk your bank account to Jesus to follow him? Listen, if you're not willing to risk those things, maybe those things have a little bit tighter hold on you than you think they do. Are you willing to risk, you know, maybe your security and your job and your 401K and all that, you know, to follow Jesus maybe to a missionary call? Are you willing to risk it all? You know, because that's what it means to follow him to risk it all, to just let it go and say, Lord, you will take care of me because you're faithful. Because you're faithful. And that's what I want to talk to to you guys about this morning is the faithfulness of God. Stand with me if you would, please, and we're going to read Psalm 89, just the very first verse there. of a man that was singing a song to the Lord in the midst of difficulty. He he says this in verse 1 there, I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. In my mouth, I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the song that you've put in our hearts. The song of your love for us, Lord. I could sing of that love forever. Lord, we could sing and we will sing forever and ever and ever about your love. As we see the manifestation of your love in heaven at your right hand, his name is Jesus and we bow before you in honor. Lord, we will sing of your love. And yet even right now, Lord, you want to reveal your love to us in a a new and a fresh way because your love is so deep, it is so wide, it is so vast, Lord, that, that we can't fully experience it, but we can continually get an understanding of more of it. And so tonight, Lord, this morning we're asking you, Lord, help us to see your love because your love is the reason you're faithful. It's who you are, Lord. Would you help us to see you? That you love us right where we are right now. You always have, and you always will. Lord, we love you back. And we want to give you free reign today in our hearts and our lives right now, Lord. We're asking you, Holy Spirit, to come and interrupt us. Lord, do what's necessary in our lives to put us on that path of just totally following you, Lord. We just ask you to remove any of the religiousness in us, Lord, today. And let us be following you out of this attribute of yours of love, Lord, because we love you, but we love you because you first loved us. Come now and just speak to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as I was reading this passage and I was preparing my message and I had a blank screen on my computer and I was reading, I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. And this idea of telling the world of the faithfulness of God, man, I just was broken as I was thinking about God's love for me and how faithful he's been to me how good he's been to me. Like when I wasn't even seeking him. When I was an unbeliever and I was totally living my life contrary to the word of God, totally dissing the son of God in my life, rejecting the son of God, God was loving me. And he was wooing me and he was faithful to me when I was recklessly unfaithful to him. And I was just broken thinking of of just how faithful he has been to me, man. I mean, he has done amazing things in my life. He has moved so powerfully in my life. And I forgot some of those things. Because I'm busy. And I don't spend enough time meditating on the steadfastness of his love the fact that He has taken me out of this place of darkness and brought me into this marvelous light, what faithfulness. It wasn't because I was worthy of that, but it was a result of the character and the nature of our God. Like He loves us so much that He would step in like He did to Levi's life. He would step into your sin to rescue you because He loves you as i started to think about that i thought about the times that the lord has led me out of difficulty man even as unbeliever the lord started to lead me out of you know difficult times and guide me through various different different things he met me in my time of sorrow even as an unbeliever the lord brought a comfort that can only come from above man he guided me through every fear and every failure like, it's a wonder how we ever get to this place, right? Like, we, we fail so much and, and we fear so much. It's a wonder how we can ever arrive at the feet of Jesus, and yet it's his faithfulness is why. It's his love for us. It, he continues tells us, I love you. Even when you can't love yourself for the choices you're making, or even when the, the, the world or the enemy are telling you that you're not you're not worth anything, the Lord stands up for you while you are yet still sinners. Listen, if that doesn't blow your mind that God loved you at your worst, I don't know what will, but that blows my mind. And he, he rescued me from those places. He has blessed me with his presence in moments when I needed them the most, like I'm just... I don't even know how to ask. I don't know what to say. And the Lord just is there. It's his faithfulness. It's his love. Even in the midst of my unbelief, the Lord was meeting me like that. And as I took some time to just ponder that and look back, man, I was just moved. And I, I started to weep at this thinking, Lord, you're so good to me. Why do you love me like that, Lord? I know who I am. I know who I am right in this moment. Why do you love me that way? You ever think like that? Like, Lord, you overwhelm me with your love. And (laughs) I was thinking, even in my spiritual adultery, he loves me. When I just say, Lord, you stay there. I'm going out on you. I'm going to cheat on you. I'm going to give something else the affections of my heart and my life. You just wait there for me. And you know what happens? He doesn't wait. He pursues me in the midst of that abandonment of him. Who does that? Who does that? Only God can do that. Only the Lord from on high does those kinds of things. He loves us like that. Like, he, he, I, I can't even express, I can't even communicate, you know, the things that go on in my own heart and my own mind, and I think, Lord, you love me like that? Oh, my Lord. N- nobody else can love you like that. Nobody else will love you when you are careless with, with, with his heart, when you are careless with, with what he's given you, and yet he still loves you right where you are. And when you are unfaithful, he says, I don't care how much you do, I'm going to love you because my love isn't based on what you're doing. Because if it was, none of us would be here. If God's love was conditional, none of us would be here. And let that sink in for a second because you're here right now in this moment because God loves you. And the Bible says that he manifests his love in the sending of his son, you know, and we, and we hear these sayings in this day and age, go kill yourself. Why, do, why, are, why are our youth saying these kind of things? They don't understand his love. You know, the enemy is throw, throwing seeds of hatred. He's saying, throwing seeds of deceit and thinking that you are not loved. You know, to, get, to cause you to doubt that there's a God in heaven that can love you right where you are. And he is loving you right where you are, not because of who you are, but because of who he is. Do you know that there's not a single thing that you can do in your life to get him to respond outside of his character? Like, I can give you a million different things you could do to get me outside of my character. Like, and it wouldn't be big. Like, it it wouldn't be a, you know, it wouldn't be a lot, you know, you would think like, really? That, you would get upset about that? Yeah. Yeah. I would I won't tell you in case it happens you know then then you don't know and I don't have to explain myself but but God you can't you can't sin enough to reduce his love for you like he loves you in your darkest hour as much as he loves you in your most glorious hour you know that like his love doesn't change the only thing that changes when you come to Christ is the clothing you're wearing. You are shed of that, of that oppression of darkness, and you, he puts on a robe of righteousness upon you. But his love is steadfast. It didn't change. He loved you the same when you weren't a Christian as he does as you are a Christian. He loved you the same when you were you know, walking contrary to him as when you are walking and chasing him with everything you have. He loves you the same. Now, we don't understand that. We don't get that because we're conditional. Like, if you treat me bad, then I'm going to have a hard time loving you because our love is conditional. But love is a decision, you know that? It's not a feeling. It's not, it's not something like, it's not based on circumstances. It's a decision. And that's why God chooses to love us. It's who he is. The Bible says he is love. But he chose that. Like he chose, he made a decision to say, I'm going to be love and above all things, I will be love. I will be the definition of Love. You know, I just read a story this morning about a guy who was, um, they were, he and his wife were on their honeymoon. They were rock climbing up in El Capitan. And, you know, there was a big rock slide up there recently. And, um, you know, his, his love for his wife was, was such that he would give his own life for her. And so as the rocks started to fall and they were right underneath them, he just covered her up and he was killed, but she lived. And what God wants you to know today is that's Him. That's what He did for you to a far greater extent. To a far greater extent. He took the wrath of God for your sin. He, he took everything. You know, the Bible tells us that He will not deny Himself because of who we are or what we do. He will not deny Himself. He's unconditional. 2 Timothy 2.13. If we are faithless, He remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. Now, that's awesome. He will not deny himself. He will not deny his character. He will not deny his love for you. You, Again, you, you can't get him to react emotionally like we do. You can't. He will not deny himself. There is a steadfastness in God that says, I choose to love you no matter what. And you know, I believe this is speculation. This is my own thinking, but understanding the depth of God's love for us. Don't think for a moment when God separates the sheep from the goats that there aren't tears in his eyes. Don't think for a moment when he says, Depart from me, I never knew you, that we don't have a weeping Savior. Because God is love. And again, it's not an emotion, but God put emotion in us, and so he has emotion. God gets angry. You know, we see Jesus weeping over Jerusalem. He's crying out because of their unbelief. And don't think for a moment that when he is eternally damning people, that his heart is not broken for them. But what do we say usually? They got what they had coming to him. Because our love is conditional, and we don't understand God in the way he loves us. He is love. He is love, and that's what makes him 100% faithful. That's what the psalmist is saying here, right here. I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. Now, this is a guy named Ethan. He's an Ezra Hyatt. He, he's, he's writing in a time of Israel when there's a lot of trouble going on. You know, it's, it's difficult to know exactly that time period because Israel had so much trouble going on all the time uh, because they were just choosing to, to walk away from the Lord. But, but there was trouble in the land and, and everything, and so this psalmist begins to just praise God. What what he's doing, if you read the whole psalm, it's 50 some verses, but if you read the whole thing, what he's saying is, Lord, my heart wants to complain about where you have me, but I choose to praise you right now in these moments of difficulty, reminding myself of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Like he's, he's trying to trying to get us, those whom he's writing to, whoever it might be, the nation and all, he's trying to get us to remember that God is steadfast in his love and that he is faithful so that when we encounter difficult things in our lives, we can be steadfast in that. You know, somebody once said that if you let the gospel wreck you, circumstances will not be able to. Like, if you let the gospel wreck you in such a way that, you know, you're toppled by the gospel. Nothing else can wreck you. You're already wrecked. And you're wrecked in a beautiful way, and you understand that God is bringing beauty from ashes no matter what you go through. And you understand the the faithfulness of God in the midst of our difficulty. And we want to ask the question, why am I going through this, Lord? Why am I dealing with all this? And yet, the Lord just says, hey, I'm faithful. You You just trust in that. We may not understand the why. We may never get to that place. But Ethan wants us to understand that God is steadfast in his love and that he is faithful and that even when we are unfaithful, he will be faithful. And so he just begins to sing of the, of the steadfast love of the Lord, saying, Lord, your, your love is unwavering. It is unchanging. And that's because it's who you are, Lord, because you are love. some of your virgins, versions versions whoa uh, some of your versions in the bible uh, in psalm 89 verse 1 will say you sing of his mercies the idea is the same but the word that's used here really should be should be the 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 literal translation of that word should be loyal love your loyal love mercy why is god merciful because he loves us loyally, even when we're unloyal. It's his loyal love for us. We think that God loves us when we're doing good and that he doesn't love us that much when we're doing bad. Anybody else think that or is that just me? Am I the only one that walks in this place of thinking, like, Lord, you must really love me today And then the next day I'm thinking, Lord, you must really not like me today. You must not really love me today because of what you're doing, right? And the Lord says, no. No. See, my love is steadfast. It doesn't change. It doesn't waver. It's not based on you. Lamentations 3.22 and 23 says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God's love is not conditional towards us. He is liberal with his mercy, man. He's liberal with it. He just gives it out 100%. Listen, not 80%, not 50%, but 100% of his mercy is being dispersed upon you always. Like even when you're not a Christian, he's dispersing 100% of who he is on you. I'm merciful, I'm gracious, 100% of me is going out onto you, will you respond to it? And you know how we are though, right? When people pursue us like that, we even get more ruthless, don't we? When somebody pursues us with that kind of love, we're like, whoa, dude, what's your problem, man? Calm down. You know, and then we start to think like, wow, look at how lovable I am, you know? And the Lord wants you to know... It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with him. Like he, I mean, let me rephrase that. He loves you. And he, you, you'll never move him to a place where he doesn't love you based on how you act because he loves you and that's just his nature. He loves everyone. You know, and I want you to just get in the picture of your mind of somebody that you don't think he can love. Somebody that maybe you don't love. And I want you to know that God loves that person way more <laughs> he loves you the same, but he loves them way more than you could even fathom. I can't believe they make these choices all the time, Lord. They're so ridiculous, Lord. Why do they act like this? I don't, I, I I don't want to... And the Lord says, hey, I love them. I love them. Christian or not, what if God's love filled us that way? And we walked in the world like that rather than responding to evilness the way we do with picket signs and, you know, and, and really kind of hatred, right? I mean, let's be honest. I mean, with kind of like this idea of saying you're not worthy of God, and that's like our pharisaical kind of, you know, approach to the, to the world. And the Lord says, could you relate to the world like, like Jesus does? Like to love people like Jesus did? Well, Jesus offended the religious people, didn't he? Maybe we should offend the religious people rather than allowing the fear of the religious people to hinder what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our life. Like rather than allowing God to to be fully in control and saying, Lord, I'll, I'll (laughs) I'll look like a fool for you. I don't care because I want you to flow through me and and you know, I don't want to have a form of godliness and deny its power. Do you know power came? Jesus said, power will come. Acts 1:8. He said the Holy Spirit will come. He said, the Comforter will come, and He will take residence in your heart, and He will, and you will do greater things than even I did. And we go, Oh, come on, man. Not, not not really that. Well, you know, Jesus limited himself to the power of the Holy Spirit. And That's why he loved the way he loved. So what I'm saying to you is you have the ability, if you're a Christian and you're born again, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, you have the ability to love that way you choose not to. So like you're you're saying, Lord, I'm going to set aside your spirit for a second and I'm going to respond in my flesh because of what's happening. And the Lord says, man, come on. My mercies never come to an end. Be like me. Love the way that I love. Man, he is liberal with that. He loves us. In our darkness and in our light, he loves us, man. And he's faithful. And, you know, the psalmist goes on to say, with my mouth, I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. And when Ethan is saying this, he's saying it's not enough to sing about him. It's not enough to sing about his love. But I must tell other people about his faithfulness. Like what that has, what it causes me to have to be is transparent about who I am and what God's done in my life. You know, it's called testimony. And you know, every one of us have multiple different testimonies that we could give of the faithfulness of God and what he's done in our life. And how he's met us in very difficult times and how he's been faithful to us in every circumstance of our life and how he took us from darkness into marvelous light. There's testimony after testimony after testimony. And the psalmist says that it's not enough to sing about his steadfast love and his faithfulness, but I need to declare it to other people. Like with my mouth, I need to make known your faithfulness to all generations. So he's saying that it's not enough to just, uh, you know, have Christ in me and you know, live my little Christian bubble and everything, but I need to be telling people about his faithfulness. And maybe that's where your fear starts. Telling other people about his faithfulness. Well, I want to I start to break that fear. And I think it's important as a body that we, that we hear testimony of what God's done in people's lives because the psalmist says it's not enough to sing about his steadfast love. It's not enough to sing about his faithfulness, but we need to hear about it. And obviously, we hear in the word, but we need, to, we need some tangible testimony, like to be able to understand how God relates to us. And so, I want to do that this morning for, for just a few minutes. I want to sh- have a dear sister of ours come up and share with us a testimony of what God has done in our life through some very, very difficult times, you know? And so... I'm going to ask Barbara Lewis to come up and have her come and share just just a a little bit of her story about God's faithfulness from the time that she was born and through every difficult time in her life. And so, Barb, would you come, would you just join, uh, welcome her, please? Is God faithful? I mean, tell of his faithfulness. Speak of his faithfulness. You have a story of his faithfulness. You have the same thing. And I'm so blessed that, that God has is, is sh- you, allowed you to share that this morning because the, let me tell you, that those are difficult times. That, I mean, the things that a, a person goes through in life, each one of us can attest to, uh, you don't know how you're going to get through. And yet the Lord always is there, and he sees us through these things. The this, this psalmist in Psalm 81, he he comes to this place where he is not only reflecting on the on the steadfast love of the Lord and the faithfulness of God, but but how that is manifest. And the truth and the, the reality of, for all of us in this faithfulness. And he says in verses two through four, For I said, steadfast love will be built up forever. In the heavens you will establish your faithfulness. You have said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one, I have sworn to David my servant. I will establish your offspring forever and build your throne for all generations. Selah. What he does right here, he begins to sing of God's faithfulness. He begins to sing of his love and his faithfulness. He begins to confess that, what God has done in his life, and then he's reminded that God sent a Savior through David. He's reminding you and I this morning that no matter what you've gone through in your life, there is a Savior that has come and that God's faithfulness and His love has been manifest through Jesus Christ. And He has been with you always and He will be with you always, no matter what you go through in life, but He always wants us to come back to the same place, to the cross at Calvary where Jesus Christ paid the price for you and I. That is the ultimate manifestation of God's love and his faithfulness for you and I. For greater love is no one than this, than one that would lay down his life for his friends. And so as we continue to, to just worship the Lord for the last few minutes of our service, we're going to uh, celebrate in partaking of communion. We want to be reminded of the faithfulness of the steadfast love and the faithfulness of God and the giving of His Son. And as Barbara was talking about when she first came into a church and they passed around that cup and that bread and, and she was, thought it to be strange. It is a strange thing that God would send His Son to pay the penalty for you and I. It is a strange thing. It's a wondrous thing. It's a marvelous thing. But it is a real thing. And God really did that for you, and He wants you to know that he's, you're special in His eyes, that He loves you, that He cares for you, that no matter who you are or what you've done, he, he loves you with an everlasting love. His love will never, ever fail you, and it will never fade for you. And so as we partake of the, of the bread and the cup today, I want you to be reminded of the faithfulness of God and be reminded you know, to, to just to take a second as the, as the psalmist says, Selah, to just meditate for a moment on his faithfulness to you and what he's done for you. Will you bow and pray with me? Father God, we thank you so much for who you are. We just give you praise and honor and glory today, Lord. You're so good. You were so good, Lord. We confess our our you know, just the reality of not recognizing the goodness of who you are and, 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 and living in the love that you've provided for us and always doubting you, Lord. When the doubt lies within, Lord, you are faithful and you love us. And you say that over and over and over again in your word and you, you send people into our lives to remind us, Lord, your Holy Spirit speaks that kind of comfort into us at times when we need to hear it. Lord, we just want to reflect on your steadfast love and your faithfulness to us, Lord. As we take this bread, the very body of your Son, that was broken for us, Lord. Every lash that he took, every beating that he suffered through, he did for us to manifest your love, Lord. And we reflect on that today, Lord. The Bible tells us that Jesus shed his blood for us, he poured out a perfection. Through his veins onto the soiled ground of this world, and he made it pure. Your word tells us that anyone who calls upon his name will be pure, will be unblemished, will be forgiven. We just want to remember that this morning, Lord, as we reflect on the blood that was shed for us. Your word tells us that there can be no forgiveness without the shedding of your blood, Lord. This is love. And Jesus will bear the marks in heaven for all of eternity to say that I love you. So, Lord, as we come today, will you break us? Will you humble us, Lord? Will you remind us, Lord, that you love us right where we are? And then, Lord, as we turn over our lives to you, Lord, in whatever ways that you're calling us today, Lord, that as we just pour out ourselves before you, the altar, Lord, and this bread and cup that we have in our hands, Lord, recognizing that you were poured out for us, Lord. As we turn our hearts to you, would you fill us overflowing, Lord, with your spirit? Would you bring us into a newness that we've never walked before this morning, Lord? We're just asking you to anoint this moment, Lord. That when we leave this place, we leave with some anointing on our lives, Lord, that calls us out into a community that is dark, Lord. And so we're asking you to come and fill us today. And <laughs> we're so thankful, Lord. And as we move into this time, as your every head is bowed, every eye is closed, I need to do this because... The Lord wants you to know he loves you, and he wants to know that he died for you, and it would be remiss this morning to say, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you come this morning in sincerity and honesty and just say, Lord, I I haven't trusted my whole life with you, and today I want to do that. If that's you, just raise your hand. You just lift your hand up real quick. We're going to take communion, and we want you to do that in an honorable way this morning as you are confessing Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you're here this morning, you you need that in your life, you just raise your hand. If you're uncertain about where you stand with God, if you to die today, would you go to heaven? If you're uncertain of that, you just lift your hand by faith and say, Lord, I just want what you have to give. I want Jesus. I'm going to be honest. I'm not worried about what everybody else thinks. I'm not trying to be religious in, this, religious in this moment, Lord. I'm just responding to your spirit. If that's you, just lift your hand. The Lord loves you. You're not distant from him. He is right there waiting for you. His arms are open wide for you. One last time, the Lord is crying out for you to be drawn into his presence right now. Just raise your hand. God bless you. Is there anyone else this morning? God bless you. Is there anyone else? Listen, let's be real with the Lord right now in this moment because he is here. And he wants to do a work in your life, but he will not overstep his bounds. You have to come to him in sincerity and honesty and brokenness and say, Lord, I want you. Is there anyone else? For those of you who have raised your hand, you just say these words, Lord Jesus, I'm confessing to you today that I need you with everything that I have. I'm confessing my sin to you, Lord. I'm giving my life over to you, Lord. I'm turning over a new leaf and I want to receive you in as my Lord and my Savior today, Lord. I believe you died for me, Jesus. I believe you rose again for me, Jesus. And now I'm in relationship with you by faith through your grace who is your Son.